Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. The Spirit of Jesus in me greets the Spirit of Jesus in you and bids us to come together and worship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, this Sunday, we do come to the table. We come to the table thankful for not of what we are able to do, but because of what you have already done and what you continue to do in each and every one of us. So Lord, as we move through this time together, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So we are here the third Sunday of Lent, and during the season of Lent, we have been taking a look at, at the Gospel of Luke, all the way from Luke chapter 9 all the way through to the end of, of that Gospel. And we've had a focus, and that focus in listening to the Scripture is not just listening to the words in Scripture, but listening to the voice of Jesus. And there are times when we listen to the voice of Jesus where it is a whole lot easier than other times. For example, that that very first Sunday of Lent, we, we talked about the Transfiguration. And of course, we, we want to hear Jesus when, when he's glorified. We, we want to hear Jesus when, when we are celebrating Moses and Elijah that are beside him. We want to, to really hear those words. And even last week was great, too, because we, we heard those words, ask, seek, and knock. And, and when we listen to those particular words, you know, we know that we can continue to go to God when we need help or, or, or need encouragement. But we also know that those words remind us that, that God desires to give us so much more that, that, than we can even imagine ourselves. Not, I'm not talking about this prosperity gospel type of stuff, but what I'm talking about, that God desires to give us so much more of the kingdom of God in our lives. And all we have to do is continue to ask for it. All we have to do is to reach out and say, God, please let me experience your kingdom in a new and profound way. But then we get to this Sunday. I'm going to tell a story on Jonelle. I know she won't mind. This Sunday, we were, we were going over slides and, and the bullets, and I, I could tell, even with the mask on, I could tell she knows what I'm going to say. She looked at me and said, Pastor Chris, come on, do you have to be a downer? Right? You remember that? Yeah. And my answer is, yeah, I have to be a downer. And, and it's not, not because of, of, of needing to do or wanting to do 
difficult passages, but if we are truly going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we've got to take the easy teachings with the hard teachings. We have to take those passages in Scripture that we absolutely love, that, that we run to comfort or, or run for comfort or run for assurance, but we also have to run to those passages that we wrestle with. And my friends, there is a lot in Scripture that we wrestle with. But that's because it is there for our growth and there for us to fully live in the kingdom that God has already placed there for us. So, hold on. We are going to take a large chunk of Scripture today uh, from Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 52. And we'll have the words on the screen so that you can follow along. So hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of a cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogue and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, uh, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you, experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you because you built tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill, and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that have been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for all of it. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Really? Thanks be to God? 
I mean, I read those words and I go, ouch. There's a lot of stuff in there that if I am honest with myself, and hopefully you're honest with yourselves, that, that we see that we do. That we put ourselves in places to be something called the gatekeeper. Where we are the ones who say who can be in and who can be out. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself there, but it'll make sense as we move along. See, these words from Jesus are not like from two, for the past two weeks, are they? They're, they're, they're different. They're biting. But if we listen to the words that, that Jesus gives us in this passage, I believe it'll help us to grow and be stronger as disciples of Jesus Christ. There are three things that, that we see that happen within this passage. First, first there's conflict. Y'all see it, right? Y'all see the conflict that is in this particular passage. I, I love that the Pharisee the, the, the comes up and says, uh, teacher, what you're saying you know, kind of steps on our toes, and, and we don't like it. But, but Jesus is bringing this conflict to show the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Now, I think we need to camp out a little bit on the word hypocrisy. Sometimes we think of hypocrisy goes along with somebody who is fake, not, not who it is that, that we would want to see them be. Or, or, or maybe we see an image of someone and, and, and we think, oh, they're just so perfect, then something happens. Well, they weren't that way. They were just fake. You know, why, why should we have trust in, in somebody like that? Because they're just going to let us down. But I think we need to take a look at the word hypocrisy a little different. And the, the daily text that we've been doing throughout uh, the season of Lent gave me a new definition that I think that really points out what exactly hypocrisy is. J.D. Walt defines hypocrisy or a hypocrite as someone who orders their lives around a false idea of who God is. Let me say that again. A, a hypocrite is someone who orders their lives around a false idea of who God is. I think that the biggest key to hypocrisy is not that we're sinners, because we're all sinners. There, there, there's nothing uh, that, that, that's, that's hypocrisy about that. We, we, we need to identify and understand who we are before we come to God. But, but when hypocrisy comes in line, it's when we start to order our lives and our ideas around a false sense of who God is. You may remember a couple years ago, that we uh, did a series on a good, the good and beautiful God, where we talked about all of those false narratives that, that we build up around who God is. And, and because we build our narratives around these false images, it leads to a life of hypocrisy. One of the biggest barriers that we have, or one of the biggest false narratives that we have, is that narrative of I am not good enough. And there's absolutely no way that God is going to love me because I am never going to be good enough. 
if there is a hypocritical way to view God, that is definitely it because God loves us, as Brennan Manning says, as we are, not as, as we should be because none of us will ever be as we should be. So what, what Jesus is doing here, he is taking a look at, at the way that the Pharisees have lived their lives and saying, look, you're doing this because you have a false sense of who I am and of who God is. And that leads to this confrontation. And there are several different brokennesses, brokenness of the system that he points out. The first one, clean on the outside but full of greed and wickedness on the inside. See, the Pharisees were all good making sure that they were all nice and clean and everything. I, I, let me tell you something. I, I was pointing out to a couple people. I just realized this morning that I have these three holes in my sweater. And, of course, I'm wearing a white shirt underneath it. And, and there's a part of me that thought, well, you know what, I am just going to go ahead and just take off the sweater and, you know, I have a funeral this afternoon. I'll just put on the tie and the sports coat and everything. But, no, I, I decided I'm going to leave it because it's a reminder to me that sometimes I want to make sure that the outside appearance, despite the, the weight problem, but outside, the, the outside appearance that I have is all put together and the fact of the matter is, what, inside, what is inside sometimes is what's really messed up. What, what, what is inside is what really needs to be cleaned. See, the Pharisees were all about that. And, and the greed and wickedness really played out in, in all that they did. Trying to hold people down from receiving the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that they did this was this. They give God a tenth of mint or other herbs, but reject justice and love of God. See, they were all fine and good of making sure that people saw what, what they did and, and what they give. Jesus told a story about the, uh, the, the Pharisee who, who stood and, and made a big noise and everything whenever they were giving stuff for the temple, but then there was a, a woman who gave two little mites that just barely made any kind of noise. See, they wanted to do that just to show, oh, look at all this that I give, and, and look how, how wonderful I am. But then they failed to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with their God. <laughs> this is one of the most dangerous ones here. They loved being in the most important places, but you look, or you looked over like unmarked graves. And here's where I think some Christians, and whenever I say some Christians, you know, I'm always pointing at myself too, that we sometimes get it wrong. We love being out in public. We, we love having people ask us to do things or, or, or to make ourselves feel important. But the fact of the matter is sometimes the witness that we give makes us look like overgrown graves. And what I mean by that is that what we say is irrelevant because we fail to live a life that is worthy of the calling that God has given 
to each and every one of us. And then finally, Jesus says, you love to load people down with burdens and won't lift a finger to help. The Pharisees at that time would say, you have to do this, you have to do this. You know, there, there, there is a long list of kind of addendum to the laws that we have in the Old Testament to kind of give an idea of, of how exactly it is to follow those type of things. Like if you have a, a donkey that falls into a pit, can you really help that donkey on the Sabbath day, pull that donkey out? Well, you know, it's kind of considered work, so no, you don't want to do that. You know, Jesus got in trouble several times because he healed on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees like, well, come on, that, that's like working, so how, how dare he do something like that? But Jesus was showing mercy in a very important and significant time in a person's life. And when we, we take a look at, at how we continue to lay burdens on one another and not help a brother or a sister in need, then are we really doing what it is that God is calling us to do? There's a philosopher named Voltaire, and he made an observation once that after God made humanity in his image, we have tried to return the favor ever since. What it means by that, you know, since, since God has made us in his image, we, we then try to figure out how can we place God into a box that, that matches exactly what it is that we want. We ask Jesus to bend and mold to a culturally acceptable version of himself. We want a Jesus who thinks like us, who acts like us, believes like us, and does like we do. Who values the things that we value, hate what we hate, and prioritize what we prioritize. But my friends, that is not an acceptable view of who God is is. See, the Pharisees had that all down in spades. They knew exactly what they were doing, that as long as they can make God into who they wanted him to be, then everything will be fine. My fear is that that sometimes is what the church tries to do. We try to make God in the way that we want God to be instead of molding our lives in the way God is calling us to live our lives. So, so with all this confrontation that, that Jesus has going on here in this passage, there are two ways that, that we could handle this confrontation. First of all is that we can just ignore it. And whatever I say, that means that we can just sweep this passage away because, you know, you know, we may only read it once a year, especially if we're doing one of those Bible reading apps, wherever, you know. Or you may be saying, you know, Pastor Chris, he's probably not going to preach on this for uh, quite a while. So we'll just nod our heads and say, okay, thank you, Pastor. We'll just pass this word along. That's one dangerous way to handle a passage like this. The other dangerous way that, that we can handle this passage is that we cheer on this conf confrontational Jesus, and we just can't wait to see where he's going to go next. This type of view is those type of views. Maybe you've seen the picture of, of Jesus turning over 
the, uh, the, the tables in the temple, and, and, and there's a line that says something like, well, you know, when things don't go your way, just do it like Jesus, turn over a few tables. I don't know if you've seen something like that or not. But that is also a wrong way to look at that. Rich Mullins, who uh, in one of his concerts, he was talking about the vengeful Jesus. And, and while talking about the vengeful Jesus, he quoted this passage from Deuteronomy 32 through 35. He said, vengeance is mine. This is the Lord saying, not Rich Mullins, but you'll get the point of it here in a second. Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. And the thing to come hasten upon them. We know that, G, that God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And what Rich Mullins would conclude was say, well, I just want to be about the Lord's business. I want to be the one doing vengeance because I feel like God has placed me in that spot to be vengeful to others. No, that is not the way that followers of Jesus Christ should live or act their lives. But, but what they should do is act in compassion. The whole thing about the, the woes in this part of Scripture, it's not that Jesus is waving his finger at the Pharisees going, ah, 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 how dare you do this? Jesus is actually showing compassion. He's showing compassion by confronting those who call themselves gatekeepers who are slamming the door in people's faces. Well, the fact of the matter is that Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the one that we all have the opportunity to go through. As he says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the gate. And, and he is the one who says who can enter and who cannot enter. Remember how I told you that's how we need to look around the entire Gospels to get a, a full picture of what it is that Jesus is trying to say? If we look at that passage in John 14, all we have to do is go all the way back to John 3. And what do we see happening here? It's the story of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, and he's, he's trying to find out what it is he needs to do to to be born again. And if you remember who Nicodemus was, he was a Pharisee. So Jesus, who has these harsh words for the Pharisees, what is he doing at that time? He's talking and he's sharing compassion with a Pharisee to let him know how it is that he can enter into the kingdom of God. See, Jesus was very clear to the Pharisees that, that it's not their job to say who is in and who is out. That's Jesus' job. That, that is Jesus' job, being the, the gatekeeper himself. 
being the one who opens paradise to all of us for those who desire to come in and claim Christ as Lord. So my friends, the woes that we have today are a warning. And they're a warning that each and every one of us needs to hear. But thanks be to God that we hear these woes through the lens of grace. The lens that, of grace that, that, that Jesus gives to us so freely and wholly. So that we may have the opportunity to resign our post as the gatekeepers. And then take the opportunity to take up a new role of being a door holder. Let us pray. Oh God, as we think about the woes in this passage, it can sting. It can be hard for us to hear. Because when we hear these woes, we start to point fingers in other directions. We start to say, well, I'm so glad I'm not like fill in the blank. But God, while we are confronted by your word, extend your compassion to us so that we may fully live in the grace that you have given us, the grace that fills us, the grace that allows us to see truly who you are and that we live secure in your love. So, Lord, we lift this up. In the name of the one who loves us and cares for us, Jesus, our Lord. Amen.